0: If the iron be blunt and he do not wet the edge, then must he put to more strength. Hello and welcome back to Sharpening the Sword. It's that part of the Biblical Principles podcast where we answer your questions That you've submitted to us over by email. And uh, we're extremely excited to be with you today, extremely excited to answer the questions. I'm so thankful that I've got some good questions. These, I hope, help you, but I want you to know that it helps me when I have to spend time studying and trying to get a good biblical answer to a biblical question. So let's jump right in with our first question. And the first question is this. When a saved person stands before God, how will God deal with the sins the person committed before they were saved? When a saved person stands before God, how will God deal with the sins the person's, person committed before they were saved? Great question, I appreciate it. And I want to just kind of lay some groundwork first off, and I want to deal with two judgments. There's two judgments in the Bible. The first judgment is going to be the judgment seat of Christ. The Judgment Seat of Christ is found in the book of Revelations, chapter number 4. Of course, we're in in the process of doing a series on the Judgment Seat, which um, if you have time, you can listen to those, and that'll help you with the Judgment Seat of Christ. But that's going to be Revelations 4. That'll be where all the saved believers are judged. The second judgment is called the Great White Throne Judgment, and that's in Revelations chapter number 20. Now, at that judgment, everyone that's lost will stand before God. There's only one place that you're going to end up at if you're at the great white throne judgment, and that is the lake of fire. Why? Because you're lost. You've never been saved. If you want to go back, I believe, to answer this question, if you have time, if you can go back and listen to the podcast on justification, that's episode six, I believe it'll be beneficial to you. But I do want you to understand that there's two judgments that either a lost man is going to stand at or a saved man is going to stand at. So these are two separate entities contained in the Bible. And I want you to understand also that as a saved man, woman, boy, or girl, you're not judged as a sinner anymore. When you stand before God, you will be judged on how you lived as a believer. Your sins, past, present, all sins, past, present, and future, Jesus paid for when he died on the cross. He paid for all your sins, every single one of them. All of our sins, if you're listening to this podcast, were done after Christ died on the cross. So all of our sins from the cross until now are future sins, if you look at it from the point of the cross. So I I don't want you to think that there's a difference between sins you committed before you were lost, sins you committed when you were saved. If you are saved, you will not stand accountable to God as a lost person. You won't. Why? Because your sins were paid for when Jesus died on the cross. The book of Ephesians, chapter 1, and verse number 7. Ephesians, chapter 1, and verse number 7. The Bible says, In whom we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. He forgives all your sins, past, present, and future. It's not not because of what we did, but it's because of what Christ did. The Bible says, through his blood, we're forgiven by the blood of Christ. When Christ shed that sinless blood, it was for every man, woman, boy, or girl who would ever need to be saved. And if you've ever accepted Christ as Savior... His blood covers all your sins. One more verse in the book of 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 2. 1 John chapter 2 in verse number 2. The Bible says this, And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. He is the one who paid for all the sins. And you're not going to stand accountable to God if you're saved for sins committed. Why? Because they were forgiven by the blood of Christ. I do want to read real quickly as we kind of wrap this question up. I do want to read the book of First Corinthians, chapter number three. 1 Corinthians chapter number three. I want to read verses 10 through 15. Now, this is going to be, this is going to be what takes place at the judgment seat of Christ. This will be where every man, woman, boy, or girl stands who's been saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's start reading in verse number 10. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's works of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire." Now, we're going to do a podcast that'll be called Judgment Seat of Christ Part 2, where we expound these scriptures right here, and that'll be a future podcast that'll be released in days to come. But I just wanted to read that to give you an understanding. You're not standing before God as a sinner. You're standing before God to give an account of how you lived when you were saved. So thank you again for submitting that question. We're going to move on quickly to question number two. Question number two. Why does the lineage of Christ list different people in Matthew 1 and Luke 3 in the ancestral line of Christ? The question words like this. Why does the lineage of Christ list different people in Matthew 1 and Luke 3 in the ancestral lineage of Christ? Great question. I appreciate you sending it in. And it's, it's real easy to answer. I'm not going to go and read all these. I'm assuming the person who sent the question in has already read, traced back all the names and cross-referenced them and all that. But this is basically the answer in a nutshell. If we just want to kind of paint with a broad brush, Matthew, the book of Matthew, traces Joseph's lineage. Okay, so Matthew is the lineage of Joseph, which would have been the, basically the stepfather of Jesus, but Luke traces Mary's lineage, who was the mother of Jesus. So the answer is very simple. Matthew traces Joseph's lineage, but Luke traces Mary's lineage. Well, thank you again for that question, and I hope that answers it. If you have any more questions along those lines, feel free to send them in. It's just a real, that's a real good question, and it, but it's real simple to answer. So thank you again for sending that in. All right, as we move on to question number three, question number three is going to be this. Once you have allowed fear to take root, how can you overcome and restore your faith? Once you have allowed fear to take root, how can you overcome and restore your faith? Good question. Thank you so much for submitting it. I really appreciate the question. This one took a a good amount of study, to be able to answer, I felt like it was almost like a COVID-19 question, but I'm really not sure if it was or not. But the, the question is going to be answered along these lines. You're going to need to eliminate fear with love. You're going to need to eliminate fear with love. First John chapter 4 and verse number 18. The book of 1 John chapter number 4 and verse number 18. The Bible says there is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torments. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Of course, that love is talking about the love of God. And what you need to do if you're having a problem with fear in your life and you need to exercise faith, you need to fall in love with God all over again. If you've never fallen in love with Him, you need to fall in love with Him. Now, this. This is not saying that you're not saved, okay? But this is saying that it's possible that you've never fallen in love with God. You, you've you never had that perfect love toward God. That will give you the confidence and the boldness that you need to be able to stand. But it will also restore your faith. You've got to fall in love with God. You've got to put Him first. You've got to trust Him. You've got to believe Him. You've got to love Him. You've got to look to Him to answer your needs. That's one of the reasons that people, like myself particularly, I have no fear of death. Now, I have fear of how I'm going to die, but I really have no fear of death. Why? Because I'm 100% sure I'm saved, and I'm in love with God. I'm in love with Him. I trust Him. I believe Him. I look to Him to supply all my needs, not just here on this earth, but in the life to come. So, in order to get rid of that fear, And restore that faith. You've got to eliminate fear with love by falling in love with God. Fall in love with God. Let's look quickly to the book of Hebrews chapter number 11. The book of Hebrews chapter number 11. And I want to begin the reading in verse number 27. By faith he forsook Egypt. Now by way of background, of course this is Moses and he, was, he had the ability, he made a choice to leave Egypt. But understand that he was going to receive great riches and honor and rewards here on this earth for being, for being the king of Egypt's son. He was, actually, he was actually kind of grafted into the family there. But this is what the Bible says, "...not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible." By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. You know what Moses did? Moses said, boy, I've got some fear about leaving. Now, there's no doubt if this king, remember a king in the Old Testament times, or really any king that you're exposed to, usually has absolute authority to do whatever he he wants to. And Moses knew that. The wrath of the king was what he was afraid of. By faith, though, he left, not fearing the wrath of the king. And how did he do that? Well, he'd eliminated fear with love by falling in love with God, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Moses was able to make it through. And the book of Hebrews chapter number 11 is just full of people who, who took fear out of their life by falling in love with God, and it restored their faith. But he did this by seeing him. Who was invisible. And now let's quickly go over to the book of Esther, chapter number four. The book of Esther, chapter number four, as we deal with this question on once you have allowed fear to take root, how can you overcome and restore your faith? Now I'm going to read a lengthy portion of scripture here, maybe stopping a little bit to expound as we go through. So try to follow along and pay attention. But this will be, this will be our last reference, although it's a lengthy one for this question on. On overcoming fear and restoring faith. Verse number one in the book of Esther, chapter number four. When Mordecai perceived that all this was done, Mordecai rent his clothes and put on sackcloth with ashes and went out into the midst of the city and cried with a loud and bitter cry. Of course, this is because through wicked King Haim, or wicked the wicked man Haman, he had deceived the king and signing a decree that all the Jews could be killed. Mordecai's a Jew, and Esther's a Jew. Um, later on, if you have time, you can go back and read the first three chapters of Esther, and it'll, it'll give you a very clear understanding of what's going on here. But verse number two, and it came even before the king's gate, for none might enter into the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And in every province, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came. There was great mourning among the Jews, and fasting and weeping and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. So Esther's maids and her chamberlains came and told it her. Then the king, then the then was the queen exceedingly grieved, and she sent to clothe Mordecai, and to take away his sackcloth from him, but he received it not. Then called Esther for Hatcha, one of the king's chamberlains, whom he had appointed to attend unto her, and gave him a commandment to Mordecai to know what it was and why it was. So Hatcha went forth to Mordecai unto the streets of the city, which was before the king's gate. And Mordecai told him of all that had happened unto him and of the sum of the money that Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasury for the Jews to destroy them. Also he gave him the copy of the writing of the decree that was given at Shushan, to destroy them, to show it unto Esther, and to declare it unto her, and to charge her that she should go in unto the king to make supplication unto him, and to make requests before him for her people. Now what Mordecai is wanting Esther to do is to go in unto the king and beg for the lives of the Jewish people. And Hatcha came and told Esther the words of Mordecai, Again, Esther spake unto Hatcha and gave him commandment unto Mordecai All the king's servants, and all the people of the king's providence, do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king into the inner court, who is not called, there is one law to put him to death, except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter, that he may live. But I have not been called to come in unto the king these 30 days. Now, the way this system worked here for this king was that while he was seated there, no one could come into him. No one could just walk into the king's presence. I know that's kind of hard to understand in the day and age we live in, but that's how the law was written. And if they did come in, they would immediately be put to death unless the king extended the golden scepter. Now, you talk about fear. That's fear, knowing that if you walk into a room and the king doesn't hold out the golden scepter, that immediately death is going to meet you. Verse 12, and they told to Mordecai Esther's words. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, think not within thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall there... Enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan, and fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. That's falling in love with God. That's trust in God. That's eliminating fear with love toward God. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. Chapter 5, verse number 1. Now it came to pass on the third day that Esther put on her royal apparel and stood in the inner court of the king's house over against the king's house. And the king sat upon his royal throne in the royal gate over against the gate of the house. And it was so when the king saw Esther the queen standing in the court that she obtained favor in his sight. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. So Esther drew near. And touch the top of the scepter now it's a it's a beautiful story of overcoming overcoming fear with the love of God and allowing you to restore your faith two more two more scripture references for your own study on your own time is going to be judges chapter six through eight judge the book of judges chapter six through eight and that's the story of Gideon and then first Samuel chapter seventeen. And that's the story of David and Goliath, 1 Samuel chapter number 17. So once you have allowed fear to take root and it's come in your life, hey, once you're faced with a, a desperate search situation, fear will take root. But you can overcome it and restore your faith by simply eliminating fear with love and falling in love with God for the first time or falling in love with Him all over again. I want to thank you again for joining us. Thank you for sending in those questions. It's a blessing and a benefit to be able to do this. And I really appreciate you trusting me with some of the questions for your Christian life. I do pray that I answered them satisfactory, and if you have any more questions, you can submit them to us via email. That's biblicalprinciples@juno.com. all lowercase letters, no spaces, Biblicalprinciples@juno.com. And until we meet again, dear friend, I want to encourage you to keep the, swords, the sword sharp in your life.